0: this month's BIS podcast. I'm Sana Tilak.
1: And I'm Adriel Disauza.
0: And today we're going to be speaking with Mr. Pradeep Hegde. Mr. Pradeep Hegde is a renowned uh, wildlife cameraman and a conservation filmmaker who hails from Karnataka. He's worked on many highly acclaimed projects such as the Wild Karnataka in which he served as the primary cameraman. In addition uh, to being the primary cameraman, he's also diversified into roles such as being the director and also writes scripts. Uh, he's also been working with an organization called the round glass sustain in which he's uh, come up with these ideas for documentaries which are very unique and um, very new and he's d- directed them he's uh, been the primary cameraman for them he's also written the scripts for them so very excited to have you here today sir and um, yeah it's been a, it's an honor to have you here with us today so yeah thank you so much
2: thank you i'm very excited as well likewise yeah, yeah. So how are you today? I'm good I'm good yeah very excited to talk to you all of you as well so I'm always you know it always feels nice to talk uh, talk to youngsters especially you know uh, kids who are in school who are who are who are fresh and who have a lot of dreams and uh, yeah I always yeah. like yeah it's very yeah. exciting.
1: It's an honor to have you here sir. Thanks yeah. a lot. Thanks a lot.
0: So, sir, I wanted to start off with like the beginning of your life. Okay. So like when you started growing up, so I heard that you grew up in Circe in Karnataka. So yes. I wanted to to um, know, like, how did it influence your childhood and your growing up?
2: Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, I grew up in Sirsi, uh, Karnataka. So just to give an idea of uh, how the place looks like. So it's uh, it's a small village. Um, It's uh, uh, surrounded by forests and uh, a lot of wildlife around. So I grew up uh, looking at birds and butterflies in my backyard. And uh, I I still remember, I I might have said this a million times. Uh, I'm going to say it again. So I remember this uh, beautiful stream that I had to cross every day to my school. And uh, it used to flood during monsoon. And uh, like my dad had to put me on his shoulder and cross the stream. To, you know to uh, to leave me to the st- uh, school and he used to wait near the stream to pick me up back during the you know, end of the school so that's some 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 of the exciting memories that i have during my childhood so apart from you know uh you know watching a lot of birds and butterflies and other wildlife around so that kind of that surely influenced me uh over time for uh taking up this as a career because i grew up watching them and uh, also, uh, after I visited a lot more places, I also started seeing a lot of changes in the, in the landscape or with the wildlife that, that I was watching. So then I thought I should do something about it because initially you you watch something, you, you kind of uh, connect to it. So you start yeah. uh, getting connected to something because you have invested a lot of time and effort. So you like it, you connect. And then if something happens to it, you want to do something about it. So that's exactly what happened to me during, over the years. Yeah.
1: And thank you, sir. And you've had, you throughout your career, you've done various projects and we both have viewed some of your projects as well and they're very impactful. You. Um. So we'd would, would, would want to know, like, which would be like, the most significant one, something that uh, resonates with your heart? um, Like, which would be <laughs> one, if you had to pick out one single project, which really influenced you, which would it be?
2: All right, I mean, so, uh, like I said, since I love doing this job every day, every moment kind of has some kind of influence on me. Most of it is fortunately positive and some of it are, of course, negative as well. And, uh, it's hard for me to pick one because you now, if someone asks, what's the, what's the, the best project you have done. So I'm always want to say the next one. So, but you know, uh, filming King Cobras, of course, uh, has had a lot of influence on me because, also because I've uh, invested a lot more time than the other shoots that I've done so far. So I did got an opportunity to film King King Cobras for a couple of projects. And uh, I kind of developed uh, a different kind of connection towards a species because uh, uh, the place where I come from, people uh, used to kill King Cobras before. And uh, even in the place where I film, where I filmed in Agumbe, people used to king, shoot king cobras right after you see them because you no, know, they're they're huge and you, you know it's it's obvious to get scared by them just just because of their size. But because of the uh the the work uh, that the NGOs are doing in that uh, landscape in that location is uh, is something that's amazing because they have changed the perspective of the way you ki- you look at king cobras now people are completely comfortable having king cobras in their backyard so imagine you know killing king cobras right after seeing them and now having them in in your in your backyard is is a huge uh, uh, win i would say for wildlife and for for something that they've been working on for years i think yeah if you want me if you want me to pick one i would say king cobras
1: yeah yes thank you
0: uh, you create the awareness, right? You make sure like people get aware that you know the, the animals around us aren't bad things. Like that they, I mean, we should coexist with us. Like yes, yes that's very cool. So, um, my next question is that you know in all of your projects you have specific ideas, like specific messages which you want to convey to people, right? So for example, in the last hope, you kind of talked about how frogs, they, you know they were being endangered. Uh, because of because of our, kind of our greed because we view them as, uh, you know, sources to make money out of. Yeah. So just like that, how do you come up with these specific ideas?
2: It depends. A lot of the times it's about uh, the need to be uh, made awareness because you can't do everything, right? So at some point there is some kind of requirement because also because you go to a place for some other project and you see something happening and you want to do something about it and uh, for especially talking about the last hope about frogs. Uh, so the idea was to kind of talk about frogs and just to start a conversation initially, because there were very few people talking about frogs at the first time, at the at, the, at that time, because uh, you know everybody talks about tigers and elephants, which is fantastic. I love them as well. And uh, we wanted to kind of give a message that we should talk about frogs equally, if not more, right? Because, uh, they are also a key. St- I don't know if you have, you might have studied in your textbooks that the keystone species, umbrella yes, species, yes, yes. and all of those things. Mm-hmm. If something happens to environment, frogs are the first species to show the the signals. It, 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 those are the first species to show change. And uh, and and uh, just to th- kind of start that conversation amongst people that that has to be saved as much as. Tigers and elephants and all the other creatures around us, and uh, yeah, that 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 was the initial idea to go uh, about uh, starting that project, and then you know it's a long story how how it kind of uh, unwound itself and all of that. Yeah.
1: Yes, uh, and um, watching it, it is it's a very impactful short film, and. Um, and like I think it is relevant and perfect for our generation because we have a very uh, short attention span. And if all of this was made into an article, I don't think many of us would read it, but the way you're approaching this and um, projecting it to a large audience, I think it really it would be impactful because by the end of it, I was almost in tears. I, I saw that and like the policeman and how he was asking the people, not the police, the guard, And how he was asking people to like divert a bit so that they wouldn't kill the frogs. And the whole documentary was really, really impactful. And that
2: um, was the whole idea because, uh, you know, we are not looking at people who have already converted, who already love animals and wants to do something about it. And we are also targeting people who don't know anything about it and uh, probably can have a potential to do something about it. Right. For someone like who loves frogs, we don't have to do anything right you know he or she already love frogs and uh, you know he or she might know everything about frogs or know so much about frogs and we don't have to feed anything it's their interest and uh, the the the, uh, the willingness to learn about frogs kind of take them to do some good things but what we are trying to do is people who are slightly ignorant and also who don't know who don't have access to this kind of information and uh, like you said articles wouldn't really pierce through a lot of people Catch their
1: audience.
2: yeah so it's, I
0: mean, yeah it's more engaging just, right the videos yes, articles
2: have their own place as well you know we need everything we need articles we need films we need uh, photo stories everything so we kind of wanted to target where article can't pierce through and uh, films and photographs kind of transcend boundaries language boundaries because you know many of you might not know Kannada but it's a film that some of some part is in Canada, but it kind of still makes an impact impact on people who don't know Canada as well. Yeah, I think that's that's something that we wanted to do.
1: Yes, sir. It's a great film. And moving on, um, you've had uh, your projects and uh, projected in international film fests and various famous channels like Animal Planet, Nat Geo India, and Discovery. So as you progress through all these milestones and as you achieve them. What is the feeling of uh, reaching these levels in your career as you go ahead? I
2: mean, it, it gives a lot of joy because uh, like uh, the thing is that in wildlife filmmaking, it's also uh, sometimes very depressing. You know, I, sorry to be negative because, you know, we are in this era that there are a lot of wrong things are happening, negative things are happening all around the world. And uh, every time when you go to a new place and uh, like, you know, you are doing this because you love wildlife and you want to protect them as well. And you see a lot of abuse that's happening on environment and the animals that you're filming. Even if I'm there to film something else or to film a completely natural history film, I see a lot of things happening that's not right. And it's very, very depressing to be motivated and be positive in, 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 in certain cases. And recognition like this and uh, will 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 really help me to you know be positive and push through right and yeah it's it's always a, a, a happy moment when something like that happens.
1: Yes, and wishing more we wish we wish you we wish that you have more of these achievements in your careers well. ahead. Yeah. Um.
0: So, sir, um, you worked on the wild Karnataka, right? Uh, so, and you come from Karnataka as well. So, what do you have to say about the wildlife situation in Karnataka, in general, your opinion about
2: that? I mean, it's it's very hard to uh, give an overall situation because it's so complex, right? Because uh, obviously, we have an amazing uh, rules. We have uh, Forest uh, Protection Act, that uh, that kind of helps for uh, forest protection, but that's not enough, right? It has to be implemented in a in a in a certain manner, and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And uh, working with a lot of people uh, from the grassroots level to the officers, they're all trying to do their best, and uh, sometimes you know they fail and sometimes it it kind of works out, and that's that's the case uh, in in everything, I think. And uh, it's very hard to give an overall idea of how the situation is, but you know some places where I visit, uh, it's better than before, and some places where I visit, you know, it's, you know some of the forest has been cleared out. Some of you now some build, new buildings have come up. Some uh, some some river has been uh, cleared out, and there's uh, there's some illegal uh, quarrying happening, and there's uh, people are digging out. Uh, sand in a river, which is illegal. There are a lot of illegal things happening as well, which is very detrimental to environment. And at the same time, on the other side, there is some, there are some good things happening as well.
1: Yeah. Yes, sir. And um, like you said, being in this field, you're bound to face a lot of challenges. And it is going to have an impact on you mentally as well, seeing all the negative stuff happening to the ecosystem. And um, particularly starting out, wh- what would you say were the challenges and the trials and tribulations that you faced? Because it's not going to be easy. Going to be easy when you're starting out, and throughout your career, what have been the um, problems you have and challenges you've faced?
2: Okay, first of all, uh, the initial challenge uh, while I was getting into this field was the communication, because there were very few people that I could go and talk to. Because uh, it's such, it's still a, such a, a small uh, community and such a small field. So you now imagine, I you can literally count the number of filmmakers, professional filmmakers, wildlife filmmakers in India who are making a living out of it. Literally, like I would say from starting to end, like there were about 100 people in India. And uh, to become one of them, I don't think there is any other profession in India which has as less people as wildlife filmmaking. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah. So there are very less people who were doing it back then as well, you know, much lesser than now. And uh, and even back then there was internet connectivity and all that, but not as good as what it is now. And you know, reaching out to people was one of the hardest thing because there was I had no idea where to begin, how to kind of start, Know where to uh, like what happens after my graduation and all of that. So that was the first hurdle. And then again, after I started doing my own uh, own films and own creating on my own content, so there, there's still a very less work altogether as well. So there are less people because there is less work, not because less talent. No, there are a million more people who are much more than me, but there is so less work. People don't just come to this field, so yeah. So the getting work was one of the one of the hardest thing later uh, stage in the later stages, and practical. There were a lot of practical uh, hurdles as well. Every time when I'm trying to film a species, you know, it's wildlife, right? So you can't make them act. So it's it's always you know sometimes it goes for a toss. So when I'm trying to film something, when I'm trying to film a particular behavior. So it's a, it's a lot about waiting and waiting and waiting and trying to see some if something happens or nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah, it teaches a lot of patience. I think uh, I always say, so being a cameraman or a wildlife filmmaker, uh, either you need a lot of patience or it will teach you a lot of patience as well over the time. You know, because you just wait and wait and wait and wait something to happen. <sighs>
0: Yeah. Thanks. So, um, uh, so uh, I wanted to ask you this question. Um so when people see, you know, problems in their environment like just like me, you know, in the background of my apartment or something and I see like you know like certain things are disappearing. Like for example, uh, you know when I moved here, uh, there were a lot of trees and we could see peacocks and stuff. But now they started cutting them down for, you know, apartments to build new stuff. And then the peacocks don't come anymore. So how do you think we can do something on our own to, you know, improve our um, thing, like to help the wildlife ourselves? Uh,
2: so I would say to everyone who kind of want to start off and do their bit, right? The first thing that everybody can do is talk about it. So write with your parents, discuss, talk about it no more, right? Just to start that conversation, right? Because you're, you're interested in something, you see the tree um, being cut, right? You might not be able to save it right then and there, but start talking about it. Go to them and ask why it's being cut. And is it is it the right thing to do? No, talk, no, talk to your parents, talk to, to people, your friends and everybody. And that's, I would say any action you know, that's the first step, you know, just to start talking about it, right? So then eventually you'll figure out what can be done, right? So if you don't start talking about it, you might as well not start at all, right? And, uh, and also something to change. I would say it all starts from, from your within, right? So your place. So try to see what you can do to bring about that change, right? Because No, there is this uh, conservationist uh, in Dandeli that I was talking to, right? Uh, He has this, uh, they had done a wonderful work in Dandeli trying to protect these hornbills. I don't know if you have time. So I have
0: the Malabar
2: hornbills. They make this nest inside a tree hollow. So what they do is, uh, so they go inside the mother, the female goes inside the hollow and kind of packs the entire, uh, the hollow, and leaves only a little space for its beak to peep through, right? And uh, that's when, you know, it kind of stays hibernated. So before it, uh, it, you know, it gives birth. And and that's when the males feed continuously every day. And uh, if a male is being killed, if male is killed somewhere in between, the female is going to die inside the hollow, right inside because, you know, it will also shed its wings while it's inside to kind of make its body light and since it's a small place and all of that. And if the male is killed, the female is going to stay right inside the hollow and die on its own. And uh, there were a lot of uh, Malbapar hornbills killing, the poaching was happening in Dandeli and uh, uh, for meat, obviously for meat uh, in, in the local area and this person who who started doing uh, a street uh, skit, street play to kind of, you know, save hornbills. And he also had this, uh, had this part where uh, he suggested to kind of, for students especially, to stop, to say no to hornbill meat. So because he had this uh, idea that when kids say no, the parents kind of listen, right? Imagine if uh, you stop eating, uh, uh, you know, some sweet, Right. So, no, your parents bring one day, next day, and eventually they're going to just stop. Right. That was the idea. So all the kids around that school started saying no to hornbill meat. And eventually the parents stopped killing hornbills. And uh, I think, yeah, so this is one of the examples that kind of came into my mind when you said, you know, what can you do? Right. So the kids didn't do anything directly. They just said no for uh, no eating hornbill meat. So eventually the parents rest, no, stopped killing handle mate. Yeah, it's
0: very
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so in particular, would you say you've had any role model or someone who's been very influential in your career to keep you going? And like, you know, to someone like any role models that you've had in your career or when you were starting off?
2: Yeah, I would uh, like to mention my mentor, uh, D.V. Girish uh, uh, from Chikmangalore. So... So he, he's a conservationist in, in Chikmangalur who did a lot of uh, conservation work in that area. And he was instrumental in uh, stopping this Kudremukh mining, illegal mining, and, uh, and making uh, one, of, you know, uh, one of the biggest relocation project happen in Badra Tiger Reserve. And the Badra Tiger Reserve is the only Tiger Reserve in Karnataka which has no human settlement inside. So it's completely left for wildlife, and rest of the tiger reserves still have human settlements inside, and still has a lot of dist- disturbance. And uh, yeah, I would say he he's my inspiration and role model. Yeah, in many ways.
1: Yes, it's always good to have someone to look up to and absolutely like, yeah and, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, so, sir, you know, you've worked on so many movies and like, so many uh, documentaries, right? Do you have any specific mantra or specific formula which you follow each time? Like uh, this certain order which you follow, like this has to happen, like, any motto, anything which you follow when while making it?
2: Like this is before going to for a shoot or you know, starting a project?
0: Yeah, in general, like throughout, either throughout the shoot or in the beginning, like you have something you tell to yourself, or you know, you have some plan or something in your head.
2: No, you know, talking about plan, uh, uh, I always say so when someone says, I want to become a wildlife filmmaker or a photographer, so it's always, you know, uh, uh, if you want to become a wildlife photographer, you need to first become a good naturalist because you're always trying to film a species or uh, cover a habitat, which basically you need to understand the species in the first place, right? So a naturalist work is to kind of learn about that species, learn about that place and uh, the animals that are around, right? So I would say when before going about starting a project, so I make sure that I know enough about that place and the species. So I, I kind of train myself to, you know, uh, to see how I can film that species in the best possible way only, which is only possible by reading a lot about that species and you know, where it lives, how it you no know, and, and their behavior and everything about it, anything and everything that's, that's available online and everywhere. And I also talk to a lot of people who are working on it and, uh, basically the researchers, and who have spent years on that species in that landscape, trying to understand them, because you can, you can read a lot. But still, talking to people helps in, in different levels, because you might not find a lot of information that people have learned over the years by studying them and by, by investing a lot of time with them. I think that those are the two things that I do before starting anything, to, just to understand everything that's possible out there yeah yeah and that's required for anyone who wants to be, become a become a wildlife filmmaker or a cameraman because if you don't know what you're filming you know there is no point right because let's say you know i get a assign, i get an assignment to film uh, a grandala it's a, it's one of the beautiful bird in in the north and uh, if i go and film some other bird so it's it's a yeah,
0: the research is very important, basically,
2: right? It's it's important and it's it's necessary. It's highly necessary.
1: It helps you understand and get a fresh perspective Absolutely. on everything.
2: Yeah, and, and it also helps you get get your next project. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes, because and there is no when when it's professional, there is no excuse, right? So yeah. you either get it done or you don't, right? Yeah. There is no place for excuses and reasons. So you have to put everything you have got to make it work. And one of the important things is to learn everything about what you're filming. Yeah.
1: Yes. And speaking about projects, um, do you have any projects in the works right now which we could see in yes. the near future?
2: Yes. 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 So, uh, like I, I just mentioned, this bird, Grandala, it's a it's a, a small, beautiful bird, bright blue bird, and uh, and. They're local migrant. They come down uh, from 5,300 meters to 4,000 meters, little below in the in the Himalayas. And uh, they do something called murmuration. I'm, I'm sure you would have seen this uh, starling murmuration in London and uh, UK, where thousands of birds uh, kind of uh, murmur in a shape. And, oh, okay. and we have that happening in India as well. Not in that number, but in a very small number. And uh, I was filming that and we have that uh, being post. it's it's in the post-production process. And uh, and, yeah, there are a couple of couple more species as well. So I don't know if you know, we have red pandas in India. So we have pandas in India. Uh, Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, he was quite excited about uh, hearing pandas in India. Yes. Yeah. So actually, if you know this, the giant panda, it's not actually a true panda, so it belongs to bear family and uh, red pandas are the actual true pandas and we have that in India. And oh. uh, yeah, I was, I, I was filming uh, red pandas uh, in a beautiful national park called Singalila National Park. It's in West Bengal, so that's in being uh, edited as well. And uh, yes, a uh, few months back I was in the border of China, so trying to film uh, this beautiful fox. Uh, so it has its it has a very weird uh, face, which lives in a very high altitude. So somewhere you know, like in the border of China. So most of its habitat falls into uh, China territory, and very small part of uh, its territory comes to India. So it's called a Tibetan sand fox. So yeah, that's happening, and some projects in South India as well. So I'm filming uh, sloth bears, so in, in Daruji. Yeah,
1: looking okay. forward to seeing
0: them. Yeah. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, um, so, sir, um, I wanted to also ask you so, I we watched this video recently, the leopard one, uh, the leopard in your backyard. So, I really wanted to know, did you finally capture the like the leopard in footage?
2: No, 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 because the leopards, speaking of leopards, they're so uh, elusive because I don't know if you know uh, this leopards in Mumbai. So, you know, which became uh, very famous recently after uh, BBC and a lot of documentaries included in their uh, uh, series that, you know, Mumbai, when you think, when you talk about Mumbai, the first thing that comes to your head is the city and bustling city yeah. vehicles, busy and all of that. And imagining leopard right there is, is quite hard, right? And, you know, they do exist in, in cities like that because leopards have kind of have the ability to adapt in many uh, a, uh, uh, environments and uh, here as well so I live in a village it's not a it's not a pure forest pristine uh, untouched forest so there are a lot of villages and houses that are uh, uh, spread across still you no know, we know they're there because of their signs we see scats we see, you know some of our dogs are also being taken away by them and but so they have kind of learned to be secretive and not being seen much and yeah that explains the survivors as, as well because they don't want to be seen so yeah they try as much as possible to not to be seen yeah
1: well hopefully in in a few years or so you may catch yeah, one or two
2: hopefully yeah and, um,
1: yeah. And to wrap it all up, sir, um, to all our audience, if there are any ambitious um, wildlife uh, film, filmmakers or any filmmakers in general, um, what would what would be the one thing that you'd want to tell us for the audience and us to take away after this? Like one, like a few words of like inspiration just so that we know.
2: Yeah, I would say, you know, there are a lot of people who, you know, a lot of students and kids who, who I talk to, say that you know i was interested and uh, uh i didn't know how to go about it you know i see a lot of people are you know passionate about wildlife animals and environment and uh and they want to do something about it so please don't get demotivated because you didn't get enough support or enough information because there is always something waiting along the line if you try enough because like Like I said, uh, you know, my story, you know, I, I just tried, you know, I just kept on waiting and try to see if something happens because when I started, there was absolutely no one to kind of help me or assist me or show me the path, right? Because there were very few people, like I mentioned, so, but I'm fortunate that it worked out. So I want to say that it'll work out for you as well. If you, if you, if you are that passionate, so please don't give up because there are so very few people who want to come to this field and tell stories about nature, wildlife and environment. And uh, if you give up, there are going to be, you know, even less people who, who, who wants to do it. Yeah, I think we need more people who want to tell stories, not just films, you know, tell stories in any form that you like, right. And And you don't have to be filmmaker or any professional related to this to tell stories about wildlife and nature you could be a doctor you could be a lawyer so there is always a way to contribute because it's not a someone's job to protect nature or or conserve or, or do something about it so it's everyone's job it's everyone's right to kind of talk about nature you know fall in love with it and and try to protect it Right. So you can help in your own ways. So whoever you are, you know, know, wherever you come from, whatever your profession is, I think there's always a way to help and there's always a way to be involved. So, yeah, hopefully everyone does that. Yeah,
1: nature is a beautiful creation. I think what the least we could do, like you said, is to spread awareness about it and communicate with people around us and to create a sort of awareness going in, in any form of way.
2: Absolutely. And, because yeah. uh, like, I would like to just mention one thing that like you started that, you know, as kids, so we're all, you know, in love with nature. So I'm sure everybody, so whether you come from a city or a village, uh, you know, you ha- always have some memories with nature, right? Yeah. So you're, you know, you're just watching an ant uh, going around or or a butterfly in your backyard or a butterfly coming and sitting on a flower uh, garden that you've, you've watered. Right. And, you know, you've all have that, those kind of stories as kids, but eventually, you know, you kind of fall into grind and you, you lose that, you know, that connection. Right. So you're not connected anymore for some reason, but there's you no, know, we're just trying to, as storytellers, trying to bring back that connection for all of us so that, you know, you're always connected, but you just don't know that, you know, you know, so we're yeah. just trying to make that connection happen so that, you know, just reminding you that you're still there.
1: To reignite the sort of exactly. connection absolutely. And absolutely. touch back with nature. Yeah. And yeah. Um, as we conclude this podcast, uh, I would like to first express a gratitude to our honorary guest, Mr. Pradeep Agri. And it has been an honor to have you, sir and um we would also like to thank the head of school the head of academics um the technical team and everybody else involved in uh, making this podcast possible and um on behalf of bis uh, we wish you success sir in all your future projects in capturing the beauty of nature and in spreading awareness about this topic to generations ago um thank you sir and um, adieu to our listeners
2: Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me
0: here.
1: It's an honor, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much.